man, we are, we are past Easter. Now what do we do? And boy, I spent this week just trying to think of that of, okay, where, where is the church? Do we need to go? Uh, and you know, I was, I was thinking of Acts 1-8 uh, to even go with today. You know, where, where, where Jesus told him, said, listen, you, you wait here in Jerusalem until you receive power of the Holy Spirit. And then you will go out and you will be my witnesses everywhere to the ends of the earth. Um, and it was at that point that Jesus ascended into heaven. But I wanted to back up a little bit because we know that after that, just, just a little bit after that, in Acts chapter 2, all of a sudden, the church just exploded. That, that Peter stood before the men that killed Jesus. Peter stood before them, proclaimed that they killed him, but that he was the son of God and he did that to pay for their sins too. And over 5,000 came to faith that day. Over 5,000. Right? That is crazy. And you think about Peter and you think about all those disciples and you think, well, man, what else could happen? They just spent three years with Jesus. They was with him. How, how else could they have acted after that? But can I tell you that it didn't exactly happen that way? That, it, that, that they didn't just begin that way. They, they, like us, because we could say the same about us, right? That once we have come to the knowledge of who Jesus Christ was, that once we come to that knowledge like Thomas, and we have, we have spiritually seen Jesus before us, and we have spiritually put our fingers in the holes in his hands and in his feet, knowing that they were because of us. When we have spiritually seen him, then how, how else are we supposed to act but then other to just proclaim him to everybody we see? Right? We do that, right? Right? Yeah, I didn't hear too many amens right there, right? Right? Because we don't. Now, for some of us, it's because you truly have never seen Jesus. For some of us, it's because you are not saved. And you may have sat here for many, many years. That's hard to hear. But it's the truth. The truth. Some of us are just like Peter, though. And that's where I want to go today. If you'll turn with me to John chapter 21. John chapter 21. Now this is one of my most favorite stories, although we're going to be right before my favorite story of where Peter is restored. But as I was reading, after what took place with Thomas this week, and I was looking at what happened after Jesus showed himself in the upper room. I began reading, and all of a sudden, I just, I kind of seen where we're going today. And I thought, well, that's a good place to go. It's a good place to go. 
And the sermon series over the next few weeks is going to be uncomfortable. And that's going to be the name of it. Uncomfortable. Do you guys realize that as Christ followers, we are called to be comfortable in the uncomfortable? Let me say that again. As Christ followers, we are to be comfortable in the uncomfortable. We should be in uncomfortable situations all the time. With our lives, with where we go, with our money, with what we do. Listen, if, if, you're, if you're given to the church, doesn't make you uncomfortable every week? Then maybe you're not giving the right amount. Right? Because I'm telling you, there was, there was a time that even, even Michelle asked me one day, hey, do we need to back this down? I'm like, no. No. We, we need to rely on God to do this. If not, there's no faith in it. And, and, and money just seems to be the big one because that's where usually our hearts are attached to. When, when God finally gets a hold of his money back from our hearts, then he's fully got us. So that's the only reason I mentioned that one. Right? But we shouldn't feel uncomfortable with where we go. We should feel uncomfortable with conversations that we have with people. Right? I mean, how many times has, has God told us, hey, talk with this person? And we're kind of like, oh, I just, uh, I'm just not comfortable with that. Right? How many times have we said, hey, we need to go out and share the gospel in our own hometown? Let's go knock on a few doors. Oh, I just, I don't feel comfortable with that. Well, good. You're not supposed to be. People are going to reject you. People are going to hate you. People are going to make fun of you. People are going to bring up your past sins, especially if you're in your own hometown, right? There ain't nothing hidden in this town. There's where it should have been a big amen, right? Everybody knows what I've done. Sometimes I got to ask a few people so they can tell me. They know before me, right? But that doesn't matter. We are called to go out and share. We're supposed to go out and share that, hey, yeah, even that stuff you know about me, God forgave every bit of that too. And he did it through Jesus. And he did it on Easter. And when he rose from the grave three days later, he said that he had the power to do that. So I am forgiven today. Right? But we don't do it. Sometimes, sometimes, sometimes the uncomfortableness pushes us right back to where we're comfortable. We meet Jesus. We know who he is. We know that he has this huge plan for our lives at that point. We should, right? Because he saved you, and then he left you here. He didn't save you, snatch you up to heaven. No. He saved you, left you right here in his kingdom that's happening right here on earth. Do something. Don't know what that is. It's like Greg said. We all have different gifts. Our job is not to, not to be great. Our job is not to be excellent at anything. Our job is to be obedient in whatever gift he's given us. So if we look at John chapter 21, this is right after... Jesus has been in the upper room. This is right after he, he showed himself to Thomas. 
And before I, I, I want to share this too. This, before we get into our verses, I want to go back and, it's, and it says, Jesus said to him, being Thomas, Thomas, because you have seen me, you have believed. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. That's us. Right? Thomas seen Jesus. You and I, we don't get that. We spiritually see Jesus. We, we, we hear of what Jesus has done for us and we believe it. That's us. Those who have not seen and yet have believed. Truly, Jesus did many other signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not written in this book. But these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that believing you may have life in his name. That was John's whole purpose for his book. Was that he was, he was, John was writing so that you and me would believe in who Jesus was. So then we get to our verses. Verse 1 of chapter 21, it says, After these things, Jesus showed himself again to the disciples at the Sea of Tiberias. And in this way, he showed himself. Simon Peter, Thomas, called the twin... Nathaniel of Cana in Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, and two others of his disciples were together. Simon Peter said to them, I am going fishing. They said to him, well, we are going with you also. They went out and immediately got into the boat, and that night they caught nothing. But when the morning had now come, Jesus stood on the shore, and yet the disciples did not know that it was Jesus. Then Jesus said to them, children, have you any food? They answered him, no. And he said to them, cast the net on the right side of the boat and you will find some. So they cast and now they were not able to draw it in because of the multitude of the fish. Now, they've spent three years with Jesus. Jesus told them the whole time, I am the son of God. I will pay for your sins. I will go to the cross. I will die. I will go into the grave. Three days later, I will rise they have witnessed this. Jesus has, has showed himself after he died and was buried. He has showed himself to them. So now the disciples have just, just took off across the world just to tell everybody about Jesus. Is that what we just heard? No. It got to that point. Peter, after, after all of this, Peter goes, I'm going fishing. What? What? God in the flesh just came down to earth, spent three years with you. You watched him be crucified. You watched him be crucified. You watched him go in the tomb. You saw him after he was risen. You were standing there when Thomas touched his hands and his feet and his side. You've seen this. And now you're going fishing? And the rest of the disciples go, we're going with you. Right? Really? That's not, that shouldn't be too strange to us though, right? We have encountered Jesus. We have spent years with Jesus. We have spent time with the Son of God. We know that the Son of God came, went, died on a cross, went in the tomb, and rose again. We know this because we believe it. We believe it because John wrote it and told us. And so what do we do? We do the same thing. We encounter Jesus, and then what do we do? 
We go back to the comforts of our life. We go back to what we know. We go back to what we think we ought to be doing. Does that sound familiar? Although Jesus is going to tell them, you will be my witnesses everywhere. He trained them for three years. He discipled them. And what did they choose to do? Peter, the first, the very vocal one. Peter, the disciple with the foot-shaped mouth. Because his foot spent as much time in his mouth as it did on the ground. First thing Peter says is, I'm going fishing. That was his livelihood. That's where he was comfortable. That's where he knew what he could do. He, he knew that, hey, I can fish. I'm comfortable here. If, if I'm out fishing, nothing makes me uncomfortable. It's not pushing me. It's not, it's not asking me to exercise any faith. Although to go fishing, sometimes you've got to have some faith, right? But that's us. We encounter Jesus, and then all of a sudden, we just go back to our daily routines. We go back to doing the things that we were forgiven of. God help us. God help us that, that he, he saves us not from something, but to something, and we still want to run back to the old. That, that we became new creatures, that we became new people the moment we believed, right? John 1. Hey, if we back up to John 1, let's back up to John 1. John 1, chapter 11. No, John 1, verse, let's go to verse 10. It says, He was in the world, and the world was made through him, and the world did not know him. He came to his own, and his own did not receive him. But as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become children of God, to those who believe in his name, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. Jesus says the moment we believe we are not born of flesh again, but we are born again into the family of God. All of a sudden, we become, we get the privilege of becoming children of God. Do, do we get that? We become children of God, the creator of everything. We become his children. But the, we become his children through Jesus Christ, and then we want to go back and live like we're a children of the world. Really? We go back and we chase after the things that the world says we ought to have. Prestige. Stuff. Stuff that hurts us. I mean, it's got so bad that, that, that hey, we even we go back to even alcohol, abusive relationships. We st here we've become children of God and we still go back and chase after that kind of stuff. Which will probably be somewhere along this line of being uncomfortable. Somewhere in this sermon series, we'll talk about that. Because that's some issues too. Some uncomfortable issues in the church today. That being one of them. We're going to get to that. 
But we see Peter, he went back to what was comfortable. He went back to what was comfortable. And here's, here's, the, here's the second point I want us to get. is not only will we go back to what we are comfortable with. But in verse 3 it says, Simon Peter said to them, I am going fishing. They said to him, being the disciples, we're going with you. You need to understand this. Your actions affect more than you. That when you go back to your comfort, then everybody within your circle of influence goes with you. It's not just you. You see, those people are just waiting for their moment to say, hey, I just want to go fishing. So when you say, that's where I'm going, then guess what? Then everybody around you goes too. Right? Dads, listen up. Because when you go somewhere other than after Jesus... Your kids and your wife go with you. Men, when you go somewhere other than after Jesus, your wife's going to follow you. And then your kids are going to follow them. You both. So when you say, and you don't even have to say it out loud, that I'm not following Jesus... Hey, when all of a sudden you find 10 other things that are better than being at church on Sunday morning, guess who's going to go with you? Your family. Guess who else is going to go with you? Anybody else that knows you? He's a Christ follower and he he shows up about, I don't know, 70% of the time. That's pretty good. Then I can do that too. Then I'm going with you. Hey, if, if, you're, if, you're going, if you're going to go to the lake this weekend, I'm going with you. Hey, if you're just going to sleep in this Sunday, I'm going with you. Hey, Dad, we going to church in the morning? No, son, it's been a late night. Let's just, we'll, we'll wait till next Sunday, okay? Okay, Dad, right? So we see that Peter tells us that when we make a choice, guess what? Everybody goes with us. Everybody goes with us. So don't think that just your actions are the only ones. Anybody feeling a little uncomfortable in here? I am. All right, I'm a dad. My kids follow me. I have grown kids. They still follow me. I have a grandbaby now. She will follow me. Makes me uncomfortable. That if Peter can do that, then so can I. Then who do I think I am? Here's the thing we need to see. Last thing we need to see. It says they went out immediately and got into the boat. And that night they caught nothing. Say that with me. Nothing. If you choose to run in any other direction other than following Jesus. And those people are going with you. You know what you guys are going to catch? Nothing. I didn't say you wouldn't have some stuff. I didn't say you wouldn't have a bunch of stuff. Because we, we tend to do that these days, right? We even, we even rent buildings to put our stuff in that won't fit at the house. Yep, wasn't no amens there either, was there? 
is you're thinking about your storage unit that's got your stuff in it or your storage building out back that's got your stuff in it. But, but it says that you will catch nothing. You will go in some other direction with a lot of other people and you're going to catch nothing. Now, Jesus leaves us there you see even Peter has done denied Jesus three times now Peter is just went fishing and does Jesus still leave him no you see even in this moment after these guys have toiled all night trying to do what they think that they trying to do what they feel is comfortable they do it all night long and they have nothing in their nets and guess who's standing on the shore waiting Jesus and he even uses this term now wouldn't you think that after you spent this time with these guys that he would go hey guys you guys caught anything out there Now, he wouldn't have said it like that. He'd have said it in Aramaic. Nothing? Okay. Tough crowd today. But he did not say, hey, guys, you caught anything? What does he say? He says, children, do you have anything to eat? You see, because these guys thought that they could go off in some other direction other than Jesus and get their belly full. In the comfort of their life, they thought they could get their belly full. So here's Jesus again, standing on the shore going, children. Now, the reason he calls them children is why. Let's go back to John 1. To those that believed in Jesus, what do they get? What do they become? Children of God. Jesus, God in the flesh, again, standing on the shore going, children. Have you got anything to eat? I think he's basically saying, hey, Children, is your belly full yet? Have you learned anything yet? That you can chase after all that? You can go back to where you're comfortable, but guess what? Your nets are going to be empty and so is your belly. So here's what he says. He says now, he says, cast your nets on the right side of the boat. Now, isn't it strange that he would use the right side of the boat? Right? Why didn't he just say, well, cast your nets on the other side? You've been fishing off on that other side all, all morning, all night. Cast them off on the other side. No, he said cast them off on the right side. See, there's a right side and there's a wrong side. Guess who's on the right side? Well, of course he is because he says it's the right hand of the Father, right? We know Jesus is always on the right-hand side, and he's always on the right side. So that's what he tells them, guys. He says, hey, throw your nets off on the right side. You see, then when we do something that is directed by Jesus, what happens? These guys start dragging in the nets, and they can't even hardly pull it in the boat. Right? Because now what they are doing is directed by Jesus. It's not directed by themselves. It's not directed by their comfort. They were probably tired. They probably didn't want to throw that net in again. 
We've thrown this net in every, all night long, and it's got all over us, and we're just nasty, and we just want to go home, and now you're telling us to throw it off on the right-hand side. See, because they don't know who this is just yet. But when they start pulling that net up and it is full, now they know who it is. Right? Now they know who's standing on the shore. And it says, So they cast, and now they were not able to draw it because of the multitude of fish. Then they recognized Jesus. And it's sad that we only recognize Jesus when he fills our nets. They should have recognized him when their nets was empty still, to be quite honest. They should have never been out in the boat. That's what I want us to see today. That we can go back to our comfort. We can meet Jesus, we can spend time with Jesus, and we can be with Jesus for a long time. But if we just return to our comfort after that, Jesus will let us. That's fine. Go to your comfort. But your net and your belly is going to be empty. And Jesus will be waiting. He'll be waiting on the shore for the moment that you raise up and you're weary and you're tired. Belly's empty of the world. And you have not achieved anything that means anything. He'll still be standing there to ask you, have you got anything, children? Basically saying, standing right here, I'm waiting. Because Jesus even told them that later when they said, it is the Lord. And Peter jumped in the water and started chasing, started swimming through the water to the Lord. Here's what Jesus said, bring those fish I've got some fish up here waiting on you, already on the grill, but you bring your fish too, right? We bring what little we have, and God's going to do a whole lot with it if he directs it, right? So let us not choose to go back to the comfort of life. There is a lot of places in this world we ought to be out feeling uncomfortable, So over the next few weeks, I hope that we get really uncomfortable sitting in here. I hope we get really uncomfortable sitting in the life that we have went back to. And I hope it changes us. And I hope all of a sudden we we begin again going out and getting in uncomfortable situations for Jesus that we go out and we get in uncomfortable situations because he told us to, that we go out and we do crazy things that make no sense to the world, that we give up what we have worked for all of our lives. And people see that. You see, people are never, never going to see who Jesus is if we just all sit in our comfort zones the rest of our lives. Never. To be quite honest, if that's what Jesus is, I don't want none either. But I know that's not the way he is. I know he calls us out into crazy things. He calls us to do crazy things. He calls us to get out of our comfort so that he can sustain us, so that he can take care of us, so that he can direct what we do, so that he can be the finisher of what we are. He can be the finisher of our faith. 
Not us, but Him. So stand with me today.